Welcome to the Arlington Street Church podcast. Boston Sanctuary since 1729, Arlington Street continues today as a gathering place for progressive people of faith in the Boston metropolitan area and beyond. Please visit ASCBoston.org for more information about this historic Unitarian Universalist congregation. We're located at the corner of Arlington and Boylston Streets in downtown Boston, Massachusetts. Arlington Street Church, gathered in love and service for justice and peace. Kem and I left the perfect darkness of the bottom of the Grand Canyon at 3 a.m., racing against the rising of the sun and the killing desert heat. After an hour of backpacking up Bright Angel Canyon to the cool shade of Ribbon Falls, we stopped to sit and rest for a few minutes. In the first light, a diminutive woman wearing a huge pack came booking down the trail in the opposite direction. We had a remarkable exchange in which we learned that she hailed from Montana She had lived in a Tibetan refugee camp for a year and was out here in the wilderness recovering from another recent deployment as a trauma psychologist. That she would be leaving the canyon to work on a voluntary trail crew in Yosemite. And she was approaching her 70th birthday. We only spoke for perhaps three minutes. But as she headed off again, down into the abyss, Kem and I looked at each other. Holy cow. (laughs) There were so many things we wanted to ask her, so much to hear and tell. We didn't even know her name. We talked about this brief encounter on and off for days. Topping out on the rim, we scanned the small parking lot at the trailhead for a car with Montana plates. No luck. We drove over to the backcountry office where we learned from the young ranger that there were only two women who had pulled permits to hike alone in that part of the canyon. No, she couldn't give us their contact information. I handed her a piece of scrap paper with our names, an email address, and a cell phone number, handed it across the ranger's desk, asking that if she happened to encounter this woman after she climbed out, to please pass along our contact information to her. Think needle in a haystack. Think stalking. (laughs) It was a fool's errand. Still, we felt compelled to try to find her. Why? Neither of us could really say, but for days, we spoke of that slim encounter and felt both blessed and bereft. As I drove toward Phoenix, when we finally came into range again, Kem's phone beeped on and she opened her email. And then, in a voice marked with disbelief and wonder, she said, Honey, her name is Annie Luby. There's more to the story now, much more, including the astonishing fact that Annie was also looking for us. 
All of it has only brought us joy and the deep confirmation that indeed, by some providence, we are supposed to know one another. The only reason any of this was possible for me, and I'll speak for myself here, the only reason there was time for even a brief exchange, time to notice the quality and possibilities in the opening it created, is that I had chosen to slow down to the pace of a long walk for 14 miles uphill carrying a heavy pack. Thankfully, I was compelled to rest for three minutes. What other flirtation with chance, luck, freak coincidence, the hand of God, however we name those out-of-the-ordinary encounters, what else might unfold in our lives, your life, and mine, if we choose even for just three minutes, choose to slow down? Wendell Berry's beautiful piece from a timbered choir, the Sabbath poems, comes to mind. Here are just the first and third of four verses. The whole piece is beautiful. Wendell Berry writes, I go among the trees and sit still. All my stirring becomes quiet around me like circles on water. My tasks lie in their places where I left them, asleep like cattle. Then what I am afraid of comes. I live for a while in its sight. What I fear in it leaves it, and the fear of it leaves me. It sings, and I hear its song. I cannot bear to think about all the beauty I miss as I tumble through life at breakneck speed, all that all of us miss consumed by the distractions and demands of our lives in so-called civilization. A demanding walk in the wild is one antidote, but there are at least, well, there are many others, there's at least one other that comes to mind, a way of engaging the spirit each of us can practice in the everyday mayhem of our lives. It is simply as the poet advises to sit still. While attending his first 10-day meditation retreat, a psychiatrist from Stanford Medical School was astounded by the contents of his mind. While he'd studied psychoanalysis and had been in his own talk therapy, he had never actually just sat still. As he discovered on retreat, there's nothing quite like the stories, obsessions, worry, and fearful thoughts that can be uncovered and encountered in a day upon day of what looks like doing nothing. Later, he wrote an article detailing this experience of what it feels like to a professor of psychiatry to sit and watch himself go crazy. Before I get too enthusiastic in encouraging us to sit still, let us note 
that we don't want to sit still for too long by ourselves. Indian Master Sri Nizargadatta said, the mind creates an abyss and the heart crosses it. The skillful practice of undertaking wise reflection is most successful in spiritual community. You are here. Buddhist teacher and author Jack Kornfield writes, to see the preciousness of all things, we must bring our full attention to life. Spiritual practice can bring us this awareness as the qualities of presence and simplicity begin to permeate more and more of our life. Our inner love for the earth and all beings begins to express itself and brings our path alive. At best, the path is a path with heart. The Mexican shaman Don Juan said to Carlos Castaneda, look at every path closely and deliberately. Try it as many times as you think necessary. And then ask yourself and yourself alone one question. I will tell you what it is. Does this path have a heart? To walk a path with heart, to open our minds and hearts and hands and open to life is to sow the seeds of joy. Mother Teresa said we cannot do great things. We can only do small things with great love. Dr. Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, whose life work lifted the curtain on dying and death, said that moments are what comprise a life. Moments that when it comes time to die, we can recall and string like pearls that glow from within. No one arrives at the end of their lives wishing they'd spent more time away from who and what they love. Why wait? It was a harsh lesson, but I've never forgotten hearing a teacher say, the problem is that you think you have time. This is so counterintuitive. To be deeply engaged, to set out each morning on a path with heart, we have to stop rushing at life and just sit still. A young meditation student had gone on retreat and was struggling with everything. His teacher said, how is it that the food bothers you, the sounds bother you, the chores bother you, even your mind bothers you? Doesn't it seem odd? What I want to know is, when you hear a car go by, does it really come in and bother you, or are you going out to bother it? Who is bothering whom? To walk a path with heart, we begin by sitting still and letting it all just be. This is the wisdom of a Las Vegas casino. You must be present to win. 
Jack Kornfield writes, you have heard of out-of-the-body experiences. A true spiritual path demands something more challenging, an in-the-body experience. He continues to live in the present demands an ongoing and unwavering commitment. As we follow a spiritual path, over and over we feel the familiar tug of thoughts and reactions that take us away from the present moment. When we stop and listen, we can feel how each thing that we fear or crave, really two sides of the same dissatisfaction, each thing propels us out of our hearts into a false idea of how we would like life to be. If we listen more closely, we can feel how we have learned to sense ourselves as limited by that fear and identified with that craving. To walk a path with heart is to come into the present to discover a greatness of our own heart that can include the happiness of all beings, inseparable from our own. Jack Cornfield again. When we let ourselves feel the fear, the discontent, our heart softens. Just as it is a courageous act to face all the difficulties from which we have always run, it is also an act of compassion. According to Buddhist scriptures, compassion is the quivering of a pure heart. With greatness of heart, we can sustain a presence in the midst of life's suffering, in the midst of life's fleeting impermanence. We can sit still and open to the world. Beloved spiritual companions, the problem is that we think we have time. This is it. We are here, present, to win. I invite you to join me in the spiritual practice of just three minutes of sitting still alone and together. The mind creates the abyss. Who is bothering whom? And the heart crosses it. Pay attention. Listen. The world sings. Ask, does this path have a heart? If we answer yes, we can get up again, rested, filled with the spaciousness of wise reflection. May our hearts open in compassion. May our quivering hearts with greatness of heart open to the world. Amen.